Hello. You are listening to Or So They Say, the podcast where two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. I'm Kelsey. I am Megan. Isn't it nice to switch things up sometimes? Is it? Wow. So. That millennial pause coming in strong. What millennial pause? You haven't heard this? No. Gen Z just rips us up one side and down the other, Every day I hear something new about why... I'm not good. Yeah, apparently we talk really slow and we have random pauses. Okay, I <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I we had a customer um come in one time and she was ordering I it doesn't matter what she was or now I'm mindful of not talking. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Is that sucks, doesn't it? It just makes you <laughs> go on. Yes. Well, anyway, um let I they think I'm funny at work. I work with children, but maybe they're laughing at me and not with me. I don't know. I'll have to figure it out <laughs> oh, no. next time I work. Uh, but a girl ordered and basically we're, she got a drink. We were like, do you want whipped cream and drizzle on that? And she, we, I even got the ick from this because it, it was the equivalent of her going like, mm, I'm going to be bad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, go ahead. Let's be bad today. And it was so... These are dangerous. That's what... I said that... I, I actually said at work the other day. I was like, I don't mean to sound like an old white bitty, but like, these are dangerous. Because one of our granola bars broke and I just gave it to somebody. Uh-huh. Um, they're like, I haven't had one. I said, they're dangerous. Oh my God. I didn't I mean... It. I meant it ironically, though. Oh, well, yeah, we know that, but... um, Right. So this is really annoying. Like... It just so happened that the fifth Thursday of the month fell on the last day of the month. So when you're here, there's, you know, we recorded this late. That's obviously why you're not Mm. hearing it on a Thursday. You're hearing it on a Friday, but Mm. it's fine. That's okay. And, uh, which means, so it's (sighs) when, no, I was just going to say it's (laughs) December. It's the last month. Like we're almost into 2024 already. Hey, look, it's Austin. It's Austin. He, I didn't realize that's who I was hanging on to. Mm-hmm. What an angel. What were you going to say? Eventually, we're going to have a camera in here. I was having an existential crisis about uh, how we are a mere 31 days away from 2024. That's all. I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand what's happening to time and stuff, but um, I was going to say something about words and i mean that literally because oh ha, ha, ha. were you really gonna is that how you were gonna lead in no i don't know oh, what okay. i was gonna say daisy but it is a twin tangent and i picked our topic this week because i've said we were gonna talk about it before in the past but um never did because i'm like well maybe it's gonna be boring i thought I this was okay. interesting <laughs> i'm not gonna think it's boring and if you think it's boring that sounds like a you problem yeah. so this is our tangent yeah like get on or get off i don't know whatever the phrase crap or get off (laughs) (laughs) which is exactly what we're talking about not crapping or getting off the pot but we are discussing etymology yay what is etymology you ask well i have the definition right y'all convenient it is the study of the origin of the words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history. Or should we say history? Oh my God. That's a millennial thing. <laughs> God, you're just like uh, a Instagram page of your animal away from being neck deep in the millennial stuff. 
I am a I am in the I know, the but there depths. you admittedly you know there are some things that you're like even yes. I won't go there. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you one millennial thing that just really grinds my gears is um, <laughs> I have so many. Don't get me started. That's I mean just one tangent. in particular because we're talking about words and we're talking about yeah. the way things have evolved over time and phrases and things like that. I hope we're on the same page with this. I was going to talk about people who <laughs> um, who talk about dogs except and they call them doggos. Thank you. And they say puppers. the heck. And oh like, my God. Uh, I can't. I can't. I'm that's sorry. That's the one that it's, that's beyond me. That one hurts my soul when I see it when they're like hecking whatever. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, I myself will say, oh, heck, but I say it quite literally i'm just oh heck yeah um i don't say this is heckin dumb i don't yeah. i mean uh, have i said it before yes it didn't taste we right all and grow. i never <laughs> we all grow we all learn it's okay to admit when you're wrong you know <laughs> it just means that you've evolved <laughs> oh man uh, i know i don't want to go down that rabbit hole i just most days i'm reminded of how much older i am than my coworkers, like when mm-hmm. a song came on and a number of them were like i always think of chicken little when i hear this song and i was like i don't i've never like the seen cartoon? that yeah the movie and i was um. like i've never seen that and they're like how did you not see it that was like a staple in our childhood i was like our childhood <laughs> yeah and i said i'm pretty sure that movie came out in like 2007 and they're like no it's not that old and i said <laughs> i was like well old yeah, so I looked and I was like, "Oh, I was. You're right. I'm wrong. It was 2005. It was older than that. Tell me why." I said, "I was like, it's 2005. So yeah, I was 14 years old. It was like a little uh, beyond my time, yeah. past my time, whatever. Oh, however little, you want to yeah. phrase it. I was like, I was too. I felt too old for for it, so I didn't watch it. And they just looked at me like it was the dumbest thing I'd ever said. I said, "What? And tell me why." They said, "I was too." I was in high school when these people were two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that hurt. That's See, all. I'm on the other end. I work with a lot of older people. Now, okay, that's not true. It really has started like branching out, especially the floor that I work on. Mm-hmm. I would say there's people of all ages, but I I do range on the younger side. So I was talking to someone at work the other day that is... Actually, she's the mother of someone we went to school with, so I know oh, she's, she's older. She's about our parents' age. But um, I made, I didn't make the mistake, but I did tread into very, like, murky waters and said something about politics mm, in God. my place of work. Oh, God. No. But I didn't say anything about parties or whatever. I just said, if you look like a melted candle, you should not be in any kind of seat of power. <laughs> right. And I mentioned a couple people that, and, and it was McConnell. for Mitch McConnell and Diane Feinstein or Felstein. I can't remember I her don't last name. Care. The one who her eye was literally like drooping off yes. her face. Yeah. She looks, yeah, actively melting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, what, what did I hear someone describe it as gently alive? <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you should not be sitting in any kind of seat of power. And I said that at work and, they think I'm the funniest thing. Anytime I say stuff, but there was one time I definitely caught them off guard and they went, Oh no, <laughs> I used the phrase. <laughs> I, oops, I hit that. Um, I mentioned, uh, someone was mad about something 
and they complained about something. I said, it was probably some old bitty. And they said, a what? And I said, an old bitty and like the workplace. Yeah. And then I realized I'm talking to the old bitties and they yeah. were like, hmm. And they did <laughs> laugh. And I said, okay, that one fell short. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get them next time. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I know what it was about. I won't say it on here. But <laughs> okay. Because it uh, made the news. But Oh, goodness gracious. Just local news. It wasn't anything crazy. Oh, um, well, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, God, remember when I was on the news? For, I looked the worst. The um, absolute worst. In a tank top and a bandana. I never wear stuff like that. Because my big old arms, I was like, it's bacon day. And I like do baking and prep work at my job as well. And it was one of those days. And I, it was in the summer. I was like, it's hot. I'm going to wear a tank top and a, a bandana because no one's going to see me. Man, why is the news show up? And they're like, does anyone want to interview about this? And I was the only one relevant. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, God. And it's I th- me. I thought maybe they'd come back another time. She's like, oh, let me go grab my camera. I said, come again. Uh-uh. So I had to go. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to fix this. And I just. God. Well, and then I got stopped later in the day. And they're like, do you have a twin sister? And I said, yeah. And they go, man, I saw her on the news. I thought it was you for a second. And then my first thought, anytime there's someone on the news in our town, I said, arrested is what did she do yeah <laughs> they're like they, oh no no she, they just interviewed her i was like oh, oh my god. god what did they have to say about my opinions nothing they agreed oh wonderful it was a girl my age so okay it was about i mean i don't care to say it it was about student loans like how because student loan payments were kicking back in and they were asking how we felt about that and long story short is i mean it sucks if the government went this long without the money Clearly, it's not that pressing. Mm-hmm. And also that people our age, I feel like older generations feel like people younger than them are asking for handouts. And that's not true. We're just asking for things to be viable yeah. and obtainable. And I think that went over well with because some of my customer base is older. They're coffee drinkers. And there's like a big, big name guy in town who comes in pretty regularly. And he I was really afraid we were not How on the same page. You? No, I know because he's like well to do, you know. Yeah. And he told me he saw it. I went, oh, because <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And he said that he has a friend who is a doctor who has finished his schooling or whatever. And he's like, he's got six figures in student loans to pay off. Yeah. He's like, it's outrageous. I said, yes, it is. I don't know what to say. I'm scared <laughs> to speak further. But is yeah. Is there a but? <laughs> yeah. And every now and then when he sees me, he's like, how are those student loans coming? And I drowning, still drowning. Actually, somehow <laughs> I don't owe anything, but I'm not going to. I don't understand I, that at all. It makes me angry. I don't owe till 2024. And I'm like, I don't understand how that happened because I didn't no. request that. There, I mean, have you seen Insidious? <laughs> what? With the demon just on his shoulder, like. Those that's, st- that's student loans? Yeah, on my shoulder everywhere oh my I God. go. They're like, are you getting another coffee today, Megan? not <laughs> creepy yes i know okay we could talk about whatever we want because this is a tangent but like we got so off topic that was fun wasn't it it that was, was a fun episode well just kidding a good segue let's break the ice on this uh etymology interesting interesting is that one you're covering that's the one i'm covering okay good. so my first uh so what we've okay i, yeah, guess, I guess i will explain describe. a little bit more Yes, etymology is the study of words and phrases and things like that, because stuff we say today may not mean what it used to mean. And I am 
I am a curious person, okay? When something happens, I want to know exactly why it happened. Sometimes I, I do that too, but sometimes to an annoying extent. Yeah. Like I will stop all conversation and all interaction to figure out what is happening, usually with movies and stuff, but... It's a blessing and a curse because yeah. sometimes if I want to know about something, I'll get down a rabbit hole and by the time I'm done, I'm not looking into the thing I originally wanted to look into. I'm like, wait, this isn't even relevant. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> I have to like climb my way out yeah. and figure out where I got lost. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about like turns of phrases and things like that. Yeah. So the first phrase that I'm going to cover is breaking the ice. Okay. Where does that come from? And I honestly, some of these I had guesses. Yeah. I was wrong on most of them. Yeah, same. Some of mine are kind of out there i was like oh okay not what i thought uh-huh well so let's just go with break the ice shall we this article is coming from grammarphobia.com oh, my god i didn't cite anything oh well i have it was easier <laughs> for me to just have the tabs and tab through my stuff oh i don't like having a lot of tabs up we've talked we've about this talked I, about I have it, i know like, the right limit. now i have 30 and it's stressing me out <laughs> i have um well, about 200 more than that, but it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready to like <laughs> kick off about five of them. So they're I, all like recipes and what stuff. What if I, don't I need, need them? them? Oh my God, stop. <laughs> if you open that page now, you know darn well it's going to refresh and not even be there. So it's right there. I mean the older ones. Oh, you don't know that. Anyway. I do. <laughs> all right. Grammarphobia.com. This was written in January of 2017. So it's a little old, but. The phrase is older, so it's fine. It hasn't changed. <laughs> and okay. it seems to be like uh, an interview with somebody. I'm not really sure who, because it just immediately starts with question, answer. With okay. no no introduction. Um, well, it says it is brought to us by Patricia O'Connor and Stuart Kellerman. I just don't know who's doing the asking and the answering. Okay. All right. So the question is, how did break the ice come to mean get a conversation going? Mm-hmm. Does it have something to do with ice cubes and a drink at a cocktail party? That's a good guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I guess I don't. I just think of the game, "Don't Break the Ice," <laughs> <laughs> which is the exact opposite. So it's irrelevant here. Well, as soon as I read that, like cocktail drinks or whatever, like putting ice out and handing the drinks out, I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah, that's not why. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. No, this figurative use of the expression break the ice doesn't have anything to do with scotch on the rocks or any other drinks with ice cubes. Darn. It ultimately comes from breaking ice to clear the way for a vessel to get through a frozen waterway. It is very literal. However, the figurative sense apparently showed up in English more than a century before the expression was used literally. Oh. So... It's weird. The break chicken the and the ice. egg. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So the Oxford English Dictionary says break the ice is an anglicized version of the medieval Latin expression sendera glacium, which uh, Erasmus, Erasmus, oh my gosh. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> yeah. He added it in 1528 to his adagia. It was a Greek and Latin adage that he collected from 1500 to his death in 1538. Ooh. So, a good long time ago. Apparently. Mm -hmm. So, Erasmus, I guess, I'm saying his name so wrong, writing in Latin says the figurative meaning of Sindari Glacium is, quote, to open the way and be the first to carry out a task. Okay. I mean, so, still somehow literal. Yeah. 
He says this sense is derived from sending a crewman of a boat ahead to break up the ice and open the way on a frozen river. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know? So if you want to know where it come from, it's... it's Where it come from. Where it come from. <laughs> <laughs> it's the boats. <laughs> Interesting. I thought that was fun. I thought that was... There's more to this. It's a little bit longer. I don't want to read the entire thing. Yeah. Because we actually have quite a few that we've picked. Yeah, these are just quick little... I literally searched the phrase meaning origin, took the little paragraph, and I said I'm going to go with it. Uh Uh-huh. So I picked one that truthfully, I tried to think about what it could mean or how it originated, and I just really didn't have anything that made sense. And it's the phrase like, cat got your tongue. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm curious on this one. Mhm. Of course, we got to go with cat first. <laughs> so, the definition is used to ask someone why he or she is not saying anything or mm-hmm. they. Anyway, uh today we use the phrase cat got your tongue in a very lighthearted context. However, the theories behind where the idiom comes from are rather grim. Oh. I know I came well, out swinging. Uh one speculation is that the phrase originated from the Egyptian times. Uh, okay. Uh, in those days. Is it a form of torture? Kind of. Oh. There's a few different ones. Okay. Uh, so one of one of the speculations is Egyptian times. In those days, liars would be punished by having their tongues cut out and fed to the cats. Cats? No. Mm-hmm. They don't know. know what and they're they doing. And they would. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the idiom may also come from the Middle Ages. It was thought that if one ran into a witch... Uh, her black cat would steal his tongue, thus leaving him silent, unable to tell the story of seeing the witch. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Which I, and you could see a witch being like, <laughs> like, say- <laughs> it's the finger that you did. It's, <laughs> it's the-, the little crooked finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway. I think that one's funny. Uh, the f- I can't even see my eyes watering. Uh, the final theory is that it stems from when the English Navy used... Th- they're all bad. Uh, is when the English Navy used a special whip called the Cat of Ninetales as punishment. Mm. The pain is said to have been so horrific that it left the wrongdoer silent for some time. Such mm-hmm. dark origins for a phrase that we use in our everyday life. Yikes. All of them are bad. Look, I watched Outlander and I watched Jamie get just slashed up with that cat and nine tails and he does i mean yeah so i mean you're so he sits catatonic near Mm -hmm. and how awful like then how kind of gross does it sound to think the person that whipped him then goes cat got your tongue yeah oh god like you can't speak Mm -hmm. does it hurt i wonder if i rewatch it because that sounds like something that captain jack randall would say Mm -hmm. that so that one might be they're all kind of gross. I like the witch one, but <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, the next one that I'm gonna go with is biting the bullet. I okay. I've heard this one before, and I've read about it, but I think I have forgotten. Is I, it war times? Yeah. Okay. So I kind. I mean, it sounds silly to say that because yeah, it's a bullet, but it actually has to do with like pain. Yes. Okay, I'm being vague because I don't want to give it away, but just go ahead. Okay, I will. Uh, It's mine, so. (laughs) Uh, It's mine. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a little bit more to it that surprised me, which is why I'm covering it. Because I feel like if, this is ridiculous, I feel like I'm I'm just an average person. Mm -hmm. And if I know something, I'm like, well, everyone else has to know it because I'm not that smart. (laughs) Honestly, though. (laughs) 
So I get excited when I learn something and everyone's like, yes. (laughs) So we'll talk about biting the bullet, even though I feel like a lot of people know this one. It is a metaphor which is used to describe a situation, often a debate, where one accepts an inevitable impending hardship or a hard to refute point. Mm-hmm. so just bite the bullet and do it just suck it up and do it yeah which is another one suck it up i don't know literally everything yeah yeah everything is some turn of phrase oh and this is coming from wikipedia i didn't travel far for this mm-hmm. one yeah that's okay sometimes wikipedia is the best choice i know i've got some wikipedias on here um anyway so the phrase as bite on the bullet was first recorded by rudyard kipling in his 1891 novel the light that failed mm-hmm. it has been suggested that it is derived historically from the practice of having a patient clench a bullet in their teeth as a way to cope with the pain of a surgical procedure without anesthesia yeah a bullet seems like a small thing unless well, you're doing okay. it long ways well if you of- think about it too like i think we're thinking little handgun bullets when yeah they were probably more which no because when was kipling like that had to be 1891 yeah i was gonna say early 19 or before um i guess i don't know what ammunition was like then but if they had larger you know because i think almost like musket balls you know just i know i'm like i don't want to sound silly but this sounds stupid when i think of like when i play red dead redemption (laughs) yeah uh, they don't it's not muskets and powder and stuff it's still bullets so i feel like uh it's probably like a larger casing but Right. But, well, but then and I, I also like picture biting it like left ways, to right yeah. instead of down your throat. Well, yeah. Because if you're biting this way, because this way it would be easier to like pop out and slip, I think. Yeah. Get, making my teeth hurt. <laughs> I don't know. I thought they just bit leather or something. Uh, well, I'll, okay. I'll get that. It has been suggested that it's derived historically from the practice of having, I already read that, evidence for biting a bullet. Oh. <laughs> Evidence for biting a bullet rather than a leather strap during surgery is sparse, though uh, Harriet Tubman related having once assisted in a Civil War amputation in which the patient was given a bullet to bite down on. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it happened because maybe leather straps were not always available, but bullets were in war. So Mm -hmm. Mm. it's been speculated to have evolved from the British expression to bite the cartridge which dates to the, and this is the, it okay, it's the name of it. I'm just, mm-hmm. it, it dates back to the Indian Rebellion of 1857. But the okay. phrase, chew a bullet, with a similar meaning, dates to at least 1796. Mm-hmm. It may be helpful for modern audiences to recall that in the era of the origin of these phrases, bullets were typically made of lead, which was a very soft metal, and would have been independent of any charge or cartridge. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah, we're not talking handguns here, of course. Hopefully you knew that. The phrase was used in a literal sense in the 1975 film, Bite the Bullet. One of the characters has a broken, aching tooth and cannot get treatment. God, that sounds awful. He uses a shell casing to cover the exposed nerve. The slug was removed from the cartridge and the cap was hit to expend the charge and the casing was cut down to allow it to sit level with his teeth. Wow, that sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. My gosh. Well, and I mean, I wonder if they did that in wartime. Like if you just had crap with your tooth that you're like, I can't bite down on it. They're like, hey, you know what's really close to the shape of your tooth? Casing of this bullet. I was going to say, they've still cap your teeth to this day. So Mm -hmm. just different 
circumstances. Yeah. So that's bite the bullet. Mm. Well, let's do another B one, shall we? Oh, okay. Beating around the bush. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so beating around the bush might sound like a strange idiom, but once you think about the meaning and history, it makes a lot of sense. When someone, so this one, I'm not going to lie. I spent a lot of time with this one because I'm like, make it make sense. Because I'll be honest, it's still a little weird to me. It's still beating around the bush. Yes. It, <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't even know. Okay. Anyway, uh, when someone says, oh, when someone beats around the bush, they aren't getting to the point of a conversation. Mm-hmm. So instead they are talking around the issue or taking an indirect route to their point. Uh, beat around the bush has been a part of the English language for a long time. Its earliest appearances is in a medieval poem found in, uh, oh God, generides of romance in seven line stanzas, I guess. A classic. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say that first word. Uh, by W. Aldous Wright. Uh, while this book was edited and published in the 1800s, the poem itself is from 1440s. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. The line featuring the idiom reads... Uh, I'm not going to read it the way it's written because it is uh, some Shakespearean nonsense. Okay. Um, some bite the bush and some birds... Oh my God. Some some beat the bush and some the birds take is the phrase with a lot of unnecessary E's and Y's from yeah. the 1440s. Uh-huh. As you can see, beat around the bush was a hunting term. Okay. Uh, clearly from that phrase. Uh, hunters would send people out into the forest to flush out the game from bushes and trees. Oh, not now. Not yet. <laughs> no. I didn't do it yet, I don't think. These individuals would beat around the bush instead of hitting the bushes themselves to stir up the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, why beat around the bush? Well, beating on the bush could be deadly if you kicked up a swarm of bees or a boar. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just kick up that boar. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of similar to the meaning. Going straight to the point of the conversation can sometimes be dangerous. I remember I chose that. I looked up a few different ones and eventually chose that description because it just made the most sense to me. Because no one was really explaining. They're like, you would hit the ground around the bush to scare the birds. I'm like, just hit the bush. Like, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Just get to the point. Uh, but it was for safety reasons, apparently. That makes sense. Yeah, so, but I'm also, I don't want to sound stupid, but if you're startling birds out of a bush, would it also not startle other things? Yeah. That's why I'm like. Either way, you're startling or disturbing. It seems like an odd one to me, but yeah, it's to, I almost did, I didn't do it, and I don't think you did it either. The uh, one in the hand is worth. Oh, two in the hand's worth, or one one in in the the hand's worth two in the bush. Uh, which again actually was about birds and stuff, and it was kind of the same concept, but I didn't cover it because it was just getting more confusing. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's keep on the animal topic, shall we? Let's see how many segues we can do. Uh, uh, We'll find out. So the next phrase that I'm going to cover is crocodile tears. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So it's an expression, and this is coming from azanimals.com. All right. Crocodile tears is an expression that usually means someone is being insincere. Crying crocodile tears means that that person isn't actually sad or feeling the emotion that they're displaying, but are trying to use their emotion to other ends. Uh, Manipulation? Yes. Oh, (laughs) see, I guess I thought it was like someone who was overly... Like, dramatically sad. 
Well, okay, so it says parents of toddlers know that crocodile tears are a tool used by nearly every two to five year old manipulation. On the when they, they don't the get their way, top manipulators, crocodile tears are sure to flow. Okay, makes sense. All right, so like many words and phrases, the exact history isn't clear cut. That's kind of what I found with almost every phrase. Yeah. Oh gosh, everything is like here's three options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick it was your ridiculous. favorite. Still, there are some things that history can tell us. The origins can be split into two categories. There's biological and linguistic. The biological origin or the biological aspect of the phrase makes a lot of sense. So when crocodiles have been out of the water for an extended period of time, they have a biological mechanism that triggers tear ducts to produce tears. Crocodiles actually cry. For what reason? This is done to make to, pre- the, to make their prey feel bad. They're like, oh, okay, you're okay. Oh, you look so hungry and yeah. sad. Here you go. No, it's done to prevent their eyes from drying out, especially while being on land for so long. I figured it was something like that. Yeah, the lubrication helps them blink and see when they aren't in water. Additionally, there's some research that shows these tear ducts may be activated when the crocodiles are feeding. Mm, this one creeps what so they can keep their eyes nice and lubricated to see what they're eating (laughs) i don't know if a group of people that just watched their friend just get snapped up by a croc saw this it makes sense that they would consider the crocodile to be crying (laughs) in the same way the humans may cry when they have a big yawn or stretch crocodiles may cry when they're feeding oh okay yeah because my my eyes water a lot when i yawn no, I know I said yawn. I'm sorry. Immediately I yawned. I'm sorry. But my nose also runs. Is that weird? Yeah, if my I nose yawn, runs too. Okay. Because I've said that before and someone's like, that. I don't do that. Oh. I said, oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, mean, I guess. What? All right. So here's the linguistic reason. The first widespread English, English usage of the phrase likely began around the 14th century during the Middle Ages. My, my. The people of the day believed that crocodiles who killed and ate humans would actually weep for their victims, despite continuing on with their meal anyway. Oh, okay. Still, we know that's fake now. <laughs> yeah, still, despite becoming a popular English phrase in the 14th century, it may have roots that predate even that. Some reports have Plutarch, uh, I probably said that wrong, the ancient philosopher and writer from the 1st century A.D., Mm-hmm. using the phrase in his writings. My, my. Mm-hmm. He spoke Latin, however, and the phrase wasn't translated into English until much later. So, Right. Um, and again, that goes on, and I'm not going to... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I thought that was... There was only one more part, but it looks like it keeps going. Uh, he says the, the serpents slay men, and they eat them weeping. And when they eat, they move the over jaw and not the neither jaw, and they have no tongue. It's like all this. Interesting. It's very, very old. Yeah. Anyway, that's crocodile tears. All right. Do you have any way to segue off that? I actually do. Shut the front door. So, because <laughs> we're talking water, we're talking tears. There will not be crocodile tears if you are dumb enough to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Ah, okay. There you go. I'm curious about this Yeah, so the phrase is actually don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which sounds Uh so... And honestly, this is another one of those that I knew the origins of it like a little bit anyway, or we'll, we'll get I there. know nothing of it. Really? So, yeah. I've heard it. I'm, that's it. I can't tell you anything about it. I say origins. I know the practical reason from where the phrase came from and it's gross. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so the idiom, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, is a warning not to get rid of something good or valuable along with something bad. Okay. Um, I don't even know what, like, a good example would be. Like, some, there was an example I saw that was, like, uh, your car, you know, you got a flat tire, and you're like, I'm sick of this car. I'm just going to get rid of it. And they're like, well, don't. The car is fine. Yeah, yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, the car, it's still a good car. Just, like, you can fix the small things and keep My it. My first thought, <laughs> why did I? do this uh, i was like storage wars <laughs> what <laughs> when you buy a storage shed it's kind, like <laughs> i mean kind of if they see if they if the first thing they pull out is stupid they're like i'll oh, just get rid of the shit then they're like no mm-hmm. like check it and see or there was actually uh an example that they used where it's like if you're going through old things and you're getting rid of it this one i think is a little more of a reach but they're like uh, just like casually be like, I'm just going to get rid of this thing. I've had it forever, but I don't want it anymore. Uh-huh. Fill in the blank with the phrase. Like it could still have some value to you. Like, yeah, t- just think about it for a minute. That just sounds like a hoarder to me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's what it means. Be careful that when rejecting something bad, you don't make the mistake of throwing everything out, including something valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is often used to warn people against making hasty decisions that they may regret later. It is thought to have originated in 16th century England. A lot of these are pretty old. Yeah. Uh, when people bathed infrequently and often shared the same bath water. This doesn't ring any bells for you? A little bit, yeah. Yucky. Uh, people usually had a bath once a year in May. Excellent. Uh, after the long winter. And this is unfortunate for the babies. That's This is where <laughs> it comes from. The water had to be carried to the home. Uh, then the mother would have to boil it, and that would take hours. God. So they would fill the boiled water into the biggest beer barrel that they had. The father would bathe first, then any other grown men, then the women, and then the children in order of age. Oh. So, so when the baby... That seems so backwards. No, I know, because right? if you think about it, you're like, dang, that's probably why babies died all the time. Like, do you know how much... Bleh. Dirt and grime. And yeah. you know, people, all they had to do back then was make babies. So like, yeah. geez Louise, you're number 13. Just take a nap. We'll see you later. <laughs> um, when the baby's turn came, the water was black with the dirt accumulated over the winter by all the rest of the family. Uh, if someone were to accidentally throw the baby out with the bathwater, they would have <laughs> lost a valuable life along with the dirty water. You don't say. Yeah, so it's literally from the idea that the water was so gross that you could lose the baby in the bathwater and toss it, it all out. And just forget like you miscounted kids. <laughs> Look, listen, dysentery, cholera, consumption, anything could have got them. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Good lord. I just make I don't know if any of those were in the right time frame, but listen, I'm unlearned. History <laughs> is not my strong suit. Oh, for God's sake. Um so I, like it's kind of a funny one, but um yeah, kind of on the nose. Is it funny though? Is it funny though? Okay, can you segue? Um <laughs> Yes. All right, let's hear this sad attempt. If I can get the page to load, it just stopped it like blacked out on me okay so speaking of skin (laughs) (laughs) stupid oh i'm gonna have to skip it because this page isn't loading and i'm getting really annoyed turn off the wi-fi i did turn it off Oh, okay my wi-fi is not uh reliable going back and forward there we go speaking of skin yay (laughs) uh this is coming from digitalcultures.net and I am discussing the phrase, 
which I was treading lightly. I was afraid to cover this mm, one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's No Skin Off My Back. That does sound scary. Seems like it may have some bad uh, roots. Yeah. It Let's, doesn't. Yay. Okay. It does, well, not like what you would think, because I immediately went to like slavery. I'll be yeah. honest. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not great, but it's not that. So. Okay. There's Woo. that. Woo. And you may have also heard the phrase as no skin off my nose. Yeah, kind of. Okay. So this is an idiom that is used when somebody wants to express that it makes no difference to them what someone else does or thinks. So it's no skin off my back. If Mm -hmm. you do it, I don't care. Yeah. The expression can also relate to situations that have a negative outcome but don't affect the user. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's it's bad for you. It ain't bad for me. (laughs) I just had a random thought of what would have been crazy is if we did these. So a lot of these are very old. But there are so many shorthand um, iterations of phrases like this today. Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, the description that you read of this in particular reminds me of, like, today's version of it, I feel like would be, like, it'll buff. Yeah. Like, it'll work. It's, like, it's, oh. it's, like, you, there's a problem here, but you're, like, it'll buff. It's fine. Yeah, there are so many phrases that mean the same thing. It just, like, that one's not quite white the same uh, but yeah, yeah it's just like so many really really shorthand things now you know like what like in this mug that's not <laughs> it but i just can't believe that um but yeah stuff like that where i'm like it how it has evolved is crazy mm-hmm. and we could have gone down that route but we didn't yeah so where what is the origin of no skin off my back The expression is believed to have originated from working class people in the United Kingdom during the early 20th century. It was a common phenomenon among coal miners to bruise their back during work upon crawling in low mine shafts. That sounds awful. Which which practically, quote, took the skin off their backs. Listen, Mm -hmm. if I catch the dining room table in my lower back i'm out for my, the di- for the week yeah days ruined like at least. i'm not cr- if i scratch my back that's it <laughs> yeah. like a good like a too hard of a scratch getting an itch like <laughs> how in the world oh my god if i have to hyperextend, like bend under my desk to grab something i pull a muscle <laughs> Okay, another theory suggests that no skin off my back stems from even earlier times, dating back to times when slavery and whipping as a punishment was still in practice in Europe. Yeah, so it it is possible that the idiom stemmed from situations where individuals showed disinterest about um, obeying orders, even if that meant losing skin off their back due to the whipping. So it... A little bit. It Yes, it's thought to come from that. Um Let's see. I, I want to know how much to read. There's not much left. Mm-hmm. No skin off my back is a commonly used expression in the United Kingdom to this day. However, throughout the 20th century, many other derivatives of the expression came to existence. In the United States, the term is most often are commonly used as no skin off my nose, but no skin off me and no skin off my bugle. <laughs> also exists a very commonly used expression that conveys a similar meaning is no use crying over spilled milk 
Oh, which that's a whole other thing. And it also made me think of, uh, did you talk about keep your nose to the grindstone? Uh, I did not. Okay. It's kind of ha- uh, similar. It's not really similar. The The meaning of it isn't the same, but it's also from like the working class that. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think of that. So mm-hmm. That's that one. Can you segue? This is our. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't think so. Oh, I don't know because this. <laughs> no. Okay. Your grandma's husband was a minor. And we're talking about grandma now. Okay. That, there you go. That's not true. Ter- <laughs> I don't know because we're talking about grandma. I've never, I wanted to cover this one out of sheer curiosity. I'm glad you did because I, I, John didn't pick it. John picked mine for me. I, I wanted to be surprised and he didn't pick this one. I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, well, it was, it's something. Oh, it's good. actually, I didn't know. I've never heard this phrase before. So I didn't even know. I was like, I don't know what this means, it, but it's because this is one of these things that it is very, it's outdated and it makes no sense now. But a phrase that would be, what would be a phrase that would be close to it today? Um, uh, it's just been lost with time. No, I was going to say, it's like the opposite of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But like, uh, don't waste your time is the <laughs> is the epitome of this. Okay, it's too little, little too late. Uh, okay, just over you. <laughs> um, in 1707, Francisco de uh Cuvedo. Yep. Yeah. Coined the expression <laughs> teaching your grandmother how to suck eggs. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, but the phrase is do not teach your grandmother how to suck eggs. Oh, don't. Uh, yeah. Uh so that is a colorful reference to the fact that Spanish grannies who had lost their teeth were adept at sucking eggy goodness through a pinhole and raw eggs. Grandma. <laughs> God. The so the meaning of this phrase is don't offer advice to someone who has more experience than yourself. Okay. So I know there's like a phrase, I'm sure there's a phrase that is relevant today. Uh yeah, don't offer advice to someone who has more experience than your than yourself, than oneself. Okay. Um um yeah keep going i'll just okay yeah i know think of something so the origin more specifically these days this proverbial saying has little impact as few people have any direct gosh as few people have any direct experience of sucking eggs (laughs) i would hope (laughs) uh grandmothers included uh it is quite an old phrase and is included in the john stevens translation of cavedo's comical work 1707 you would have me teach my grandma to suck eggs is the the sentence. Yeah. Like the audacity. <laughs> yeah. um, perhaps its meaning is getting lost in time as few people nowadays literally suck eggs. Uh, many years ago, people would suck out the egg contents by piercing the egg at both ends and then sucking on one of the ends. Wouldn't it be better just blow on it? But okay, go well, on. Well, uh, you could reverse the procedure and blow out the contents also. It was such a commonplace procedure that that then that to teach your grandma to suck eggs was like a child trying to teach a new this. Okay, I think they wrote this wrong. Saying uh, teaching your grandma to suck eggs was like a child trying to teach something to the grandmother who knew very well how to do that thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, The saying still survives despite the fine art uh dying out in our civilized and salmonella free culture 
Yeah. Um, our salmonella fearing culture. Ah, yes. But yeah, it was like, so grandmas would, grandmothers, older people would lose their teeth. They would have no teeth, so you can't chew anymore. So instead of cooking the egg, like the softest, most malleable food you could think of beyond applesauce and pudding, <laughs> they yeah. uh, would just suck the egg out instead of cooking it and eating it because they had no teeth, so it was just easier. I... I feel like it wasn't easier. But yeah, so, and it was so common that they're like, don't teach grandma how to suck eggs. Like, she already knows that, you dum-dum. I was there when it was written. Yeah. <laughs> I there. So there is a phrase, to not teach somebody something that, like, don't, don't teach somebody something that they know far more about than you. Yeah. I, mm. I wonder if you can look up phrase similar to... I'll figure it out later. Hmm. But yeah, that's what that means, and I never would have guessed that. Well, speaking of grandmas and ladies. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cover It Ain't Over Till the Fat Lady Sings. Interesting. I feel like this one's probably... Coming, Mom. (laughs) Coming, Mom. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) There's a video on TikTok that they're like, Hermione is like... uh, just a singer because yes. a lot of her stuff is very sing-songy. lyrical yeah sing-songy when her parents call her she, coming mom <laughs> like with it a vibrato and everything coming mom yeah there we go <laughs> you can't do the vibrato i can i'm performance anxiety oh Stop. <laughs> <laughs> spreading the news is yeah. that what it is? it's from bob's burgers <laughs> i know i just it's frank sinatra i know but they're it's never mind. is it lynn no it's not actually it's a character you only meet once tammy it's her oh. birthday and she's it's her hmm. um it's her bar mitzvah and or is it it's different if it's a girl but anyway but but with a t yeah but, but yeah bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah. Mm. i don't know so anyway um i'm not jewish and they yeah. She has a party planner who's like supposed to keep everything on track. Uh-huh. And Louise gets a hold of one of the headsets and is talking to the party planner. Oh, and yes. she's like, yeah, yeah. I'm your conscience. And she's like, what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? And she's like, I want to be a star. <laughs> and she's like, go be that star. Do it now. Yeah. Star. <laughs> and that's all she gets out. And Tammy cuts her off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I do remember that episode. That was a weird one. Yeah. All right, so fat lady singing. Got it. Yep. Speaking of. <laughs> only there was a camera in here. Um, Dang. All right, so you've probably heard this before. If you're muttering about what in the world it means and how to use it, you've come to the right place, and that is Grammarist.com. All right. The seemingly offensive idiom essentially just means you shouldn't assume the outcome or jump to conclusions until everything is said and done. It's like organizing a fundraiser and giving up halfway through the event because you haven't met your funding goal. Uh-huh. Wait until the end when it's all over and then determine that you can give up. No. <laughs> and then determine your final numbers. Mm-hmm. The same can be applied to sports. If you're in the midst of playing a game and your team is losing, you still have time to score goals before it all ends. Quit giving up, Colts. My God. <laughs> me, Actually, me. I don't know how they're playing this year, but that's historically been the Colts. If they're down by the half, it's over. <laughs> Meaning it's not over until the time is up because you could score a winning goal in the last few last few seconds, which is true. Mm-hmm. All right. So this expression comes from the world of 
opera. This shouldn't I mean, be a go surprise. Figure. Most opera shows are long, including several singer, including several singers, performers, and acts. But there's often a long, beautiful solo right at the end to conclude the show. And this was done by a large lady decked out in a gorgeous dress. Mm-hmm. That's how you knew the show was almost over because the large lady was singing. Uh-huh. Like so large, it's just really... Large, fat, I don't know. Yeah, they're both weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very literal. Yes, I just burped. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> the very original fat lady was the role of Brunhilde in, <laughs> yeah. in the, uh, oh my gosh. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's the Valkyrie, right? The, um, oh my gosh. I don't know. It's from the Gotterdammerung. Oh gosh. Which is German and I said it wrong. Yeah. Gotterdammerung. I'm so annoyed. I can't remember. Uh, Ride of the Valkyries. Like, it's, yes. uh, who is the. Does it start with an H? Does it say who the composer was? Uh, n- n- yes, it was Richard uh, Wagner. Wagner. Oh, that's a W. Bruh. Well, whatever. Anyway, is it if there's an umlaut over the A, is it long or short? Frau, don't listen. Don't, bro. <laughs> I haven't taken German in so long. It's the Gotterdammerung. Sure. It's a German piece made by Richard Wagner and was over four hours long. Bro, they were all long. The magic flute, mm-hmm. I think, is it might be that one. One of them, they're like over double digit hours long, like 11 hours or something like that. I'd rather I'm going to say, listen, I'm supposed to be the music person, and I know darn well that if it's not the Ride of the Valkyries or it's not 11 hours long for the magic flute, don't come for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sensitive. <laughs> and I don't remember these things. I was out of school a while ago. <laughs> All right. So later on, it was worked into the world of sports, specifically basketball games. One of the first instance, instances you can find is by Ralph Carpenter in the Dallas Morning News in 1976. Okay. The opera ain't over until the fat lady sings, it said. And then in 1978, Charles Rayford Smith, a sports information director, used it in some televised commentary. Mm-hmm. It's also a Southern expression used in church. Oh, no. <laughs> Referring to the choir and how the church isn't over until the fat lady sings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so other phrases that mean the same thing essentially is it's not over till it's over. The game ain't finished yet. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Mm-hmm. And the opera ain't over till the diva sings. I guess that's a better way uh, to... That's a more PC mm-hmm. way, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's... Uh, yeah, that's that lady. So I think I d- I'm kind of done trying to make a segue. I don't know how to make this one segue. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, I think this one was on the list. One of them I did go off script because I went down a rabbit hole with this one. Mm-hmm. And it's just simply the phrase... To knock on wood. Okay. All right. So this one may date back to ancient pagan times. Uh, All right. We, I feel like this one. So knock. I I realize I don't have a um description of this one for some reason, but I feel like anyone with a pulse probably knows what to knock on wood means. It's for good luck, like knock yeah. on wood for luck. But why? Uh, when people believed spirits lived in trees and touching or knocking on the tree would protect them from bad luck. Okay. Uh, but also, Psychic, li- Psychic Library, which I guess is a source, says knocking on the wood was also seen as a thank you gesture to the gods for bringing blessings and goods and good luck 
and in Irish folklore, touching trees was a way of thanking leprechauns for good luck. All right. So really, it's it's very like rooted in like pagan traditions, yeah, oh. or just um, dum dum. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's copyright. Witchcraft. You can't do that. Um. So yeah, it's the oh what well, I have it right in front of my eyes. The, my favorite was just the spirits living in trees, and they did that. Mm-hmm. They knocked on it like, hey, like keep the bad luck away. Wake <laughs> up the fair. Wake up the little fairies in the trees. Spirits in the trees. Uh huh. Um. So that's a pretty short one. I didn't know how to segue that, but um, fat lady, you're not gonna. Well, yeah, which I was yeah. gonna say, I, my segue was gonna be like, if I had to make one, is actually another uh idiom, mm-hmm. which is the to take the opera to the luck thing to say break a leg. Oh yeah, which I didn't look that one up, but I do know that really it's actually. Isn't it kind of rooted in sort of like backhanded comments because you tell the lead in a show like break a leg, but usually it's like the understudy telling them in the hopes that like they break a leg so that they can oh. get them. But no, it's because uh, you don't say good luck. You say break a leg. Oh, shoot, I should have looked this one up. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if that's the true meaning of it or not. But yeah, you would say like break a leg so that. Mm-hmm. they would and that the understudy would get it i don't know fingers crossed <laughs> Who knows? but yeah it's for those of you that don't know in theater do not say good luck in the theater mm-hmm. that's that's why that's bad luck it is bad luck yeah and you also can't say what's his name is it hamlet no that's stupid um uh shoot Oh, you that's can't good. say Macbeth. Is it? It is I Macbeth. Think it's Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's also bad luck. You can't say that in the theater. Mm-hmm. We're not in a theater right now, so it's fine. But we are performing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we are <laughs> coming, man. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> All right, okay. go on. My next phrase is. And John picked these for me again, so I'm like, all right, I'll be surprised. I'll see what I can find. It's, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. So this originates from an African proverb and conveys the message that it takes many people, or the village, to provide a safe, healthy environment for children, where children are given the security they need to develop and flourish and to be able to realize their hopes and dreams. This is coming from t- frontiersin.org, by the okay. way. Okay, okay. This requires an environment where children's voices are taken seriously and where multiple people, the villagers, including parents, siblings, extended family members, neighbors, teachers, professionals, community members, and policymakers, <gasps> care for the children. Goodness. And now it's like <laughs> the opposite. Everyone's like, I don't want your opinion. Leave me alone. Right. Yeah. You don't know squat about children. And this one gets like way too in-depth. I can't believe they wrote like a five-page essay <laughs> on right. I know, um, some of these we've had deep descriptions. Some of these are pretty straightforward. No, it's like, define the child, define the family. Who is the village? Define... Oh, like, so now we're getting, like, psychological with it. Yeah, so... Like, what is the blue door? <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> God. All right. Um, the connections within the village approach are important, but how these connections might confer protection or buffer the impact of adversity is not always clear. They're so freaking, I want to just like reword their stuff. Mm-hmm. Jeez, Louise and crackers. How can I, um, 
how can I make this summed up? I'm sorry. No, I thought fun. it was uh, it was interesting, and then it just kept going. I was like, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I had ten of these to remember, and I forgot that this one was very dry. Oh, that's okay. We all got to have some dry ones. I think my knock on wood, haha, no mm-hmm. pun intended, was dry. So. Um, we said it came from the African proverb, blah, blah, blah. Let me see if I can find a different article, honestly. Oh, okay. <sighs> we need an entire community. Yes, we know. Which, I guess, so, what, wait, what is the, de- so wait, what's the actual definition of it, I realized? It takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, I know, I know what it is, but. Uh, it means that it just help one another. If if it's a phrase that we are going to say right and repeat as a modern society, let's live it to fullest extent, is this what this says? So okay. the exact origin of the phrase is unknown, except some believe it comes from the African proverb, which I said. Right. African cultures and some believe it come from the Native Americans, both very communal societies. The feeling that a village must help in raising children is more about the values. So it's like... You can't be, and here's another turn of phrase, can't be a jack of all trades. So, Which that was on the list, but I didn't cover. And that's why we have teachers, and that's why we have doctors, and we have, you know, all these different people in all these different professions. So it makes sense. Um, they teach life lessons and responsibility. Different people in the village must share their knowledge. Um, and not only about helicopter parents getting help from the village... <laughs> So that was the chair. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So the child grows up and is raised around the values, morals of the entire village, not just what's going on in the home. Okay. So don't shelter your child. I guess. Um, yes, it's important that we share our tips with everybody, blah, blah, blah. It goes on. I just picked this at random, so. No, that's fine. And then I don't, they, people get really deep in this. My God, let's pick how to pick your village. I don't, (laughs) uh, no, thank you. Sorry, John, that was a boring one. Um, see, I handpicked all mine. So if they're dry, whoops a daisy. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one I did go off script for only because it was in the same, like, forum or whatever that I found the knock on wood Mm -hmm. because it was idioms, but also it was superstitious stuff. Okay. So this one is saying, God bless you when sneezing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, I only laugh. I laugh because I saw a video where it's like, what can you say, uh, like, non-denominational, non-religious? Quit it. That's what- when, instead of saying, God bless you, what can you say when somebody sneezes? So it's like, achoo, get it together, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so this one is not as much of an idiom as it is maybe superstition i don't know but it does it's like why even if you're not religious it's like a a knee-jerk reaction to say bless you when somebody sneezes and it why is, yeah. why so apparently this wasn't something that came about for the sake of being polite okay uh, even though many cultures have believed for thousands of years that sneezes expelled evil spirits which is funny because i say sometimes when people sneeze i say get the spirits out um <laughs> But even though... Depending on how violent. <laughs> yeah. I, or get the demons out. That's what I say if it's like a really... Okay. Hold on. Let me finish this first. Uh, lots of cultures believed it's to get evil spirits out. It is said that in the 6th century AD, a fatal plague was spreading through Italy. Uh, after severe chronic sneezing, death often quickly followed. 
Live science says that the Pope urged the healthy to pray for the sick and ordered a lighthearted response, which eventually led to God bless you when somebody sneezed. So basically, if you heard someone sneeze, you're giving them you're giving them a last word. You're like, (laughs) God bless you, because you're like, you know, they're about to go. Right. This is it. Yeah. And I guess for some reason it just stuck. So if you hear somebody sneeze, you say bless you because you're like, this is it. This is the end times. Maybe your last one. (laughs) And some people really are trying to get past, present and future demons out when they sneeze. (laughs) Namely, (laughs) (laughs) namely just white cishet men. Oh my God. Like over the age of eh, 25. It starts young. Start them young, uh-huh. because there's a there was a regular. I don't want to say. I don't want to like hint at who it is at all. Oh God, I love this person. They're great, but my God, like the it was. I don't know the other day, which that's a Midwest. The other day, so who knows when it actually happened? Uh-huh. It was early in the morning, and there was maybe like three people out in the lobby, and we're all just minding our own business. Mm-hmm. And tell me why, just. <laughs> like a crop like it was i swear to god i thought someone got hurt like someone was <laughs> yeah. screaming and i look it was just a casual white man sneezing i said <laughs> like there was i said i had a choice word for it but i said no reason no absolutely no reason like it made me so mad i had to walk away <laughs> I married a white man who sneezes like he's just knocking no, his on death's not, door. No, his aren't loud. They're just never ending. Yes. No, he can get into it and he, he does can... like the fist pump when he sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. But and... when I say it knocked that man out of his chair, like he was standing, I think he was already standing up, but I like to think he sneezed so hard he knocked himself out of his chair. And I said, there's not one reason in this world that you should be sneezing that loud and that there was you're not trying to impress anybody like there was nobody in the lobby what are you who are you trying to who are you trying to scare (laughs) it's just too much please be mindful of your sneezes because nobody the louder you sneeze you're not gonna get more bless yous you're gonna get get it together quit being so selfish so self-centered well how are we doing on time i feel like we can't get through all of these I mean, we're getting there, but we also had a little segue in the beginning. Oh, shoot, because I still have a few. Ah! Oh, yes. oh, we're fine. Okay, we're fine. Uh, you yeah. can scroll through and pick a favorite if you like. Yeah. Let's so do I've like like two. Yeah. How many do I have? My gosh. One, two, three, four, f- four. Yeah, shoot. Let's breeze through. Let's see where we go. Okay. The next one. Keep your eyes peeled. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Okay. This one is really short. Thank goodness. Some (laughs) think that keep your eyes peeled is a reference. This is coming from bookbrowse.com. Some think that keep your eyes peeled is a reference to certain fruits or vegetables that improve if peeled, i.e. oranges. Perhaps more likely the reference is not. Okay. And keep your eyes peeled means like be alert. Keep your eyes out. (laughs) I almost said keep your eyes peeled. You know, uh, just be on the lookout. You're, yeah. Pay close be attention. Vigilant. Yes. 
be alert. Yeah. All right. So perhaps more likely the reference is not so much to peeling back fruit as figuratively keeping alert by peeling back the eyelid so that the vision is unpeated. Unimpeded. <laughs> unpeated. <laughs> <laughs> this seems a likely option given that an alternate of the expression is to keep your eyes skinned. <laughs> another possibility is that the expression comes from the early days of the british police in 1829 home security sir robert peel established the metropolitan police force in london the first professional police force Mm. before long the policemen had picked up the nicknames peelers and bobbies for the unpopular fact that they reported directly to peel at the home office Mm -hmm. bobbies lives on to this day as a friendly nickname for the police in england okay peelers is not used but may have left its marks in the expression to keep your eyes peeled as per their founders instructions wow crazy now you know <laughs> keep them skinned keep keep your eyes skinned uh so this one i'm afraid this one is dry so i'm just gonna read it and we'll see where it takes us if you can't beat them join them oh but oh, i'm saying okay. um, if you can't beat them join them uh-huh so if you can't beat them or as it's also known if you can't lick them join them uh lick like a like a swing i don't know maybe i guess i just was like why would i lick somebody <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there's an old political adage which says if you can't lick them join them uh wrote quentin reynolds in the wounded don't cry random house dictionary of popular popular proverbs and sayings by george y tittleman <laughs> uh <laughs> whatever william it's just a lot of they reference a lot and i'm like i don't do that anyway because it's like page 159 of this art i don't care uh william sapphire calls it a frequent bit of advice origin obscure given in areas dominated by one party the phrase akin to the scottish proverb better bend than break carries no connotation of surrender okay uh, it is used to in- indicate that the way to take over the op- opposition's strength is to adapt their positions and platform. All right. So, I mean, they're, I guess they're saying here, uh, maybe from an old Scottish saying, but... Uh-huh. And what, it was a political adage. So basically, I mean, it just means don't... Uh, yeah, it's it's not surrendering. It's not giving up. I feel like it kind of gives off the vibe now of like, just go with the flow. Just at, at when in Rome, all of these other idioms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it actually means like to give you the upper hand, like when in Rome <laughs> to give you the upper hand. I feel so, like our entire language is nothing. But the more I look into this, I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, not as ex- it's not like actually beating people. It's, I Beating people at their own game kind uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. So. Mine is also political. My next one is Loose Lips Sink Ships. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that Fall Out Boy song. I know. I've got like two <laughs> Fall Out Boy songs in mind. I've got another right. one later. So it's an American English idiom meaning beware of unguarded talk. So careful what you say around people and blah 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 right the phrase originated on propaganda posters during world war ii here is a propaganda poster that says loosely leaps yeah (laughs) loose lips sink ships might sink ships oh it It was it was not 
it was a warning. It was a threat. Mm-hmm. That was the earliest version using that wording. It had loose lips might sink ships. This phrase was created by the War Advertising Council and used on posters by the United States Office of War Information. This type of poster was part of a general campaign to advise servicemen and other citizens to avoid careless talk that might undermine the war effort. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There were many similar such slogans, but loose lips sink ships remained in the American idiom for the remainder of the century and into the next, usually as an ad- admonition to avoid careless talk in general. Yeah. So there's also a British equivalent that, uh, they use, I don't know why I like forgot what I was saying. The British equivalent is careless talk costs lives. Yeah. Which. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, this next one is really short, but I kept it because you'll know why. Okay. It's every man for himself. Some of these are pretty like self-explanatory, but I kept, I still kept this one for reasons. Mm-hmm. Meaning don't expect help from others and to look after yourself. Yeah. Okay, cool. The background is this proverb appears in Chaucer's Knight's Tale. Oh. I know. Chaucer, (laughs) Knight's Tale, everything is good about it. A Knight's Tale is one of my favorite movies. Um, I do like that movie. Yeah, and it was published in about 1386. Oh. Shield. All uh, right. And in 1546, a book of proverbs by John Haywood listed on expanded version of this expression, every man for him, he... Sorry, he expanded on the expression saying, every man for himself and God for us all. Okay. So, Chaucer back in the 14th century. Just speaking just, truth. Yeah. I just said it because it said it was Chaucer and a Knight's Tale. So. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's all you got. That's okay. literally it. Yeah. All right. This. Oh, and I got my last one from Wikipedia. Good old faithful. This is coming from medium.com. Wait, your last one. My last idiom. I, I, just I was did. like, I got two more. No. No, no, no. I have two more. So. The next one that I'm covering is from medium.com and it is Misery Loves Company. Okay, good one, good one. Which is also a fallout voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. kind of, well, which came first? Yeah. Music or the misery? Anyway, yeah. it made me think of that. So essentially, have you ever noticed if you're in a bad mood, more bad things happen? You yes. are a magnet for bad associations throughout the West. It's rest the of belt loop on the door handle and it goes downhill from there. Mm-hmm. So today, what did I do? At 7.30 a.m., I walk into work. I sit down and immediately spill coffee on my white shirt. That's how my day started. That wasn't an example. I mean, it is an example, but it's my example. Right. Real life. Mm-hmm. So you get cut off driving to work and then you get hit by or not hit by a train, but you get stuck by a train. And I mean, then- it's like rain on your wedding day. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. <laughs> it's a free ride <laughs> when you've already paid. A lot of those are just coincidences, not irony, but whatever. Who would have thought? It, it figures. figures. <laughs> <Stupid>. <laughs> okay, so misery is defined as a cause or source of great distress or discomfort. Uh, reminder, pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Oh. Mm. The famous proverb, misery loves company, was originally spoken by the demon... Yes, a demon. Oh. Mephistopheles. Oh, I love Mr. Mephistopheles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway, it was spoken by him in the play The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus by Christopher Marlowe in the 16th century, who said, Solomon Miseris Socius 
Hibiscus. Hibiscus T. Dolores, which (laughs) roughly translates to, it is a comfort to the unfortunate to have had companions in woe. Okay, well, that's more artsy. Simplified, misery loves company. Mm -hmm. And the play depicts a man who was prepared to give up all hope by signing a pact with the devil in exchange for 24 years of living with his desires being fulfilled. And okay. Mm-hmm. The quote is from the lips of Mes- Mephistopheles, the devil's agent, in answer to the question about why Satan seeks to enlarge his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, why is Satan looking for more people? Because misery, misery loves, loves company. company. There you go. Or, has, as they say it, it, is a comfort to the unfortunate to have had companions in woe. Dark, deep art. Mm-hmm. Artful. Wow. Okay, well, just a few more, folks. Uh, <laughs> this one I was actually, I mean, it's not super exciting, but it, I was genuinely curious. It's flying by the seat of your pants. All right. Because yeah. this was mentioned, again, I don't think this was on the list, but it came up at work and we had a moment, like, before we recorded this, obviously, this was like days ago. And I was like, it's really interesting that you brought that up and you're questioning it because I got to talk about this. So I wanted to know. And flying by the seat of your pants means to do or take action without a plan to go by feel, or to make decisions in the moment. Uh, This phrase dates from the early years of aviation, when airplanes had few navigational aids and flight control systems. Uh, The pilots relied greatly upon their own senses to gauge the plane's position. My gosh, so many Ps. Uh, The plane's position. (laughs) Anyway, the pilots relied greatly upon their own senses to gauge the plane's position, performance, and to find their way. Uh, They flew by experience, intuition, and feel, with the seat being the largest point of contact between the pilot and the plane. It was from the seat of his or her own pants that the pilot could feel how the airplane was reacting to his or her controls and how well the engine was operating. So it's kind of like when you're the one driving the car, like, I feel like you were more aware of, like, movement. Sorry, it's like pulling. Sorry about the bumping. Sorry about this. And the passengers are like, I don't know what you're talking you can feel the wheel in your hands you can feel what the road is doing underneath you by the seat of your pants so it's it's very uh literal Literal. but yeah so it's when they did not have the technology so going in blind like they did uh they just had to use their butts (laughs) to get from a to b yikes (laughs) all right we're gonna end it I think I have the last one, yes. I have one more. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah that, I started. That's right. I do like the last one that I have, though. I thought it was interesting. All right. Well, my last one, I'm going with keep your chin up. Okay. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I was going to say which one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. The fat lady saying. Yeah. I'm using grammarist.com again. Okay. Keep your chin up means staying cheerful and optimistic during hard times or when life just keeps knocking you down. Mm -hmm. Misery. Yeah. We We just spoke about it. Yes. If a friend is going through a rough patch, lean in and say, keep your chin up. Better days are coming. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want to start singing that uh, happy days are here again. Is that? See? (laughs) (laughs) Are here again. Again. I don't know why I would all offer. Idioms like keep your chin up are figurative sayings and affirmations, but this one sits close to its literal meaning. Okay. The image of physically holding your chin high symbolizes strength and resilience. True. I are, yes. As soon as you said, I was like, I see where this is going. 
Very regal. Mm. To keep your chin up means to stay hopeful and not let a challenging situation bring you down. It's a heartening reminder that tough times don't last forever, but tough people do. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Nowadays, you might also encounter a shortened version, chin up, in common usage. The origin of the expression, keep your chin up, is distinctly American. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it emerged sometime during the late 1800s to the early 1900s. The phrase conveys the message, quote, hold your head high and remain optimistic, even in difficult times. Meanwhile, the UK has its own idiom from the Victorian era, keep a stiff upper lip. I like that one. Mm -hmm. An early printed use of keep your chin up can be found in the Pennsylvania newspaper named The Evening Democrat. An excerpt from the 1900s reads, quote, keep your chin up. Don't take your troubles to bed with you. Hang them on a chair with your trousers or drop them in a glass of water with your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I said with your Elka seltzer. (laughs) We are different people. Mm, Yeah, we are not the same. And that concludes my portion. And Kelsey's going to see us out with... With an arm and a leg. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, things cost an arm and a leg. Oh, well. Uh, Well, it's usually. I think the phrase is just an arm and a leg. Yeah. But... Whatever. The term, an arm and a leg, means very expensive. Uh-huh. Yes? I lost a nail. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I have press-ons, you guys. I'm cheap, and I've just realized I've lost a nail oh, at some Lord. point. Oh, Lord. Well, it means it's very expensive. It u- is usually seen in the phrase, it costs an arm and a leg. Yeah, like getting your nails done, which is why I bought $7 press-ons. Because mm-hmm. it costs an arm and a leg. So, this idiom originates from the Irish halfpenny coins in the 17th century. I talked about halfpennies before. Have you? Maybe not in this ep- uh, in this podcast, but I did. I remember watching a movie and I saw that gas was like 62 and a half cents or like 60 and a half cents. And I said, "Okay, what happens if it ends up that they owe a half a cent?" I'm like, when did they make half pennies? It was a whole conversation. Seventeenth century. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think with Mim and Dad, I had this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, on the twenty third of October, sixteen eighty, King Charles the Second patented Sir Thomas Armstrong and Colonel George Leg. I'm guessing because <laughs> uh, it's L E G G E. Okay. To Leggy. man, yeah, Leggy. To manufacture copper halfpennies for use in Ireland. These coins were later used by Irish uh, emigrants to the American colonies. The phrase, it will cost you an arm and a leg, note the capital letters, R, like A for arm and L for leg is capitalized, uh-huh. uh, was an abbreviation of the patentee's names. If you recall, Tar- Thomas Armstrong and Sir Thomas, or, and George Leg. Oh. So it's literally, I mean, this one seems the most accurate to me, like, mm-hmm. um, with the most pointed origin. Yeah. Therefore, uh, this term originally meant it will cost you a half penny. Over time, this evolved to an arm and a leg, referencing the two patentees, mm-hmm. which people would have assumed meant a person's limbs, which is how the very expensive aspect developed. <laughs> yeah. There is another theory that this term originates from America after World War II, During the war, many servicemen lost arms and legs. (laughs) Rough. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, for some, the price of war was an arm and a leg. Uh, Of course, this was a high price for anyone to pay for anything. And I burped finally. Oh, man. And it soon came into common usage to mean expensive. And then one 
there's two more competing theories. One more, this term is an amalgamation of, I would give my right arm for something, and even if it takes a leg, which are ways of expressing a costly sacrifice to get something. Yeah. And the last one, the term an arm and a leg, originates from how portrait, this one I thought was interesting, uh, originates from how portrait painting was priced. Uh, Paintings featuring just a head and shoulders were the cheapest. Larger full body paintings, i.e. those with arms and legs, were far more expensive. Detractors of this theory note that the term is far more recent than when portrait paintings were fashionable, though. So, All right. The halfpenny one, probably. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think this stuff is interesting. I know. And I mean, the fact that we threw out so many... Just in explaining these, it's it's weird. Uh huh. Just like how many how many phrases and how many sayings and everyday conversations that we take for granted without even knowing what we're saying. Oh yeah, and stuff we didn't cover. And actually, I skipped one. I guess I thought maybe I didn't like it, and I changed oh. <laughs> it, or I picked the wrong one. I don't know. But barking up the wrong tree, mm-hmm. bury the hatchet. That's the one I was supposed to cover, and I. I missed at some point. Whoops. I didn't cover that, right? No, I don't no. think so, no. Uh, bird in the hand we talked about. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Yeah, I I was like, the sucking the egg one is the... One out. Yeah. An army marches on its stomach. I mean, that one I can... I'd march for food. Lord. <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. Every man for himself. Fools rush in. It's there's so many. Yeah, jack yeah. of all trades. Yeah. We talked about. Um, I this one I put on there and actually like gagged when I wrote it. Milking the bowl. Yeah, I want morbid curiosity wanted me to know, but mm-hmm. I said I'm not doing. It's probably something that's impossible or something that's not feasible. It's my guess. I haven't heard that phrase, but yeah. Anyway, just a ton more. I put a ton on that list i was like let's just pick like 10 because i didn't think we'd get too deep into many of them but alas and here we are of course so honestly it's not too bad it's not too bad well good i'm glad hopefully this was i <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully this is a fun episode for you guys we're recording late like yeah this well, it almost didn't happen again we almost had to push this freaking up you know what it happens sometimes it does Anyway, ain't that just the way? And that's not any of them. That's just me. <laughs> it's giving. <laughs> See, I, listen. The history the, is being made before our very yeah, eyes. Yeah, just the the evolution of phrases and the shorthands and the I don't know. It's like people just using a hundred years from now are going to have to be telling people like what being gagged meant. That's why it was just about to <laughs> say because like, I mentioned it about when, milking the bowl. When someone asks if they are the C word, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, of course you're, it's uh-huh. like uh, the word for like lady parts that's not good. Uh, well, I mean, some people like it, some people don't, but. Oh, yeah. The English, they use it as a term of endearment. Like people, Us Americans like it, are like, oh, don't say that. Yeah, it's a term of endearment. Really? Yeah, it's just like when you say sup bees. Oh, okay. they're like subsies. <laughs> they just do the subsie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, when people say like, of course you're that, like you're that, mm-hmm. meaning like you're 
you know, it's giving. You got it going on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's just wild to me. Wild. And I was going to bring up the gagging thing too. Cause I said it earlier. I was like, she's just gagged on this yeah, book. Gagged. Yeah. And it's like, it just means or you're taken. Like, you're uh, one of my friends says like anything that she like that's really good. Usually like referring to food or drink. We'll say like, it's gas. I say gas. Cap. Gas packed. Mm. If you say cap, riz. Oh my God. All these things. I sound so uh, freaking You know, old. Timothy the Chunk, the cat. Uh-uh. I, oh, well, there was a video. It was just him giving like cute little eyeballs. And it said rizathy <laughs> instead of Timothy. <laughs> oh, so The Rizzler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. One day, one day someone's going to tr- talk about us and... <laughs> This is the only reason why I, not the only reason that sounds terrible. I like working with my coworkers, but darn it if they don't keep me relevant just a little bit longer. Because I'm slowly losing touch, I feel like. I am. I'm so out there. Man, we're, I'm telling you, working with 19-year-olds, mm. it'll it keep, they keep me young. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like... 32 going on 83 man i'm oh, so well. all right well this was a fun twin tangent yeah. i think it was interesting we learned yeah. a lot some of them are dry but like i think it is still interesting to know where these things come from yeah so, I, like i think so me too and next week is the first thursday of the month mm-hmm. oh, who knows God. what we're yeah. gonna do <laughs> sure ain't us <laughs> Times are wild, man. I know. We're trying, you guys. I feel like towards the end of the year, it gets crazy. Because our end of the year is like all birthdays, all holidays, all whatever. Yes. All but two people in our family have their birthdays in the last three months. And then, uh, well, I can't. Because I I realized nieces and stuff, but whatever. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, We'll so. see. We'll see where the wind blows us. It probably, I don't know if it's going to be anywhere, but we'll find out. No. Ooh, maybe. Actually, we'll talk about it after I hit stop. All right. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Mixing, editing, and music is by Kelsey Ingram. Our cover art is done by both of us. Visit our website at orsotheysaypod.com. You can find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok all at orsotheysaypod. If you would like to donate and have access to all of our evidence from our investigations, please visit patreon.com slash orsotheysaypod. You can donate as little as $1 to hear EVPs, watch haunting videos, and see photographic evidence we've captured during our travels. You can also give a once-off donation to our PayPal, which will be linked on our website as well. Merchandise can be found at redbubble.com slash people slash or so they say pod. You can find or so they say on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And when you do find us, please make sure to rate, review, follow, or subscribe. We and the algorithms will thank you for it. See See you you next week. week.